Welcome back to the Brew Detroit podcast. I am the host of the podcast, Brew Detroit's Dave Seacott. It sounded like you weren't sure who you were there for a no, second. No, I'm was. i never sure who I am, especially I'm, today. I'm just glad you identified yourself. You usually are very good at that. Zach I'm Clark. Sorry. Yeah, I know who I am. I'm you do? Okay, good. Uh, today we have a murder of guests. Oh, like crows. Like crows, yes, exactly. Uh, we have a handful of Batch Brewing Company uh, guests and then also a good friend from Tenacity. Oh, I will let tenacity. everybody else... Introduce themselves that way. I don't get anything wrong. Don't mispronounce anybody's names. And we do it like uh, high school. Three interesting facts about yourself before we can move. No, I'm kidding. Please don't do that. No, you can definitely introduce yourself, your role at your uh, respective brewery, and then uh, we'll get into today's show. Let's go clockwise. Go for it. I think we should all point at each other. Wow. Okay. Uh, hi, my name is Stephen. I like um, uh, reading books quietly. <laughs> and Zwickle beer. And Zwickle beer. And he owns Batch. If I own Batch Brain. If you were wondering who he is. Uh, I'm the resident curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Not all at once, y'all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm Chris. I am the brewer. I make the sugar water. You're going to have to do that into the microphone. Oh, into the yeah. microphone. Hi, I'm Chris Coburn here on the radio station. I'm the head brewer. Uh, I like music, dogs, and kayaking and camping. Oh, we're he doing, the, we're doing the three go. things. I like it. I like it. it. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Hola, me llamo Kim Barely. Oh, hey. <laughs> Hola, Kim. I am the general manager, production manager here at Batch Brewing Company. Hey there, I am Rob Clady. I'm with Tenacity Brewing and Tenacity Craft in Detroit. I'm Steven's friend. I showed up to talk to him, and I got roped into this damn Excellent. podcast. <laughs> That's how this works. Hey, sit down. We're going to talk about beer. Really, That's really. how this works. Really easy. Um, so there are a lot of things that uh, a lot of folks know about Badge Brewing Company. Mm. One, they are located in Corktown in Detroit. Uh, the other one is they've had a nice... Uh, long road of building up to where they've gotten today when the, the sky's the limit. Uh, and uh, they are adding more and more pieces to their their puzzle. Uh, so, Stephen, uh, you and I have known each other for a, a, quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, got acquainted uh, when uh, your first Indiegogo campaign happened uh, to start and launch Batch Brewing Company. Uh I wanted to get into a little bit about like the early, early stages of Batch Brewing Company, and then later on we'll get into where you're at now, and then you guys have a lot of really great plans ahead of you, uh, so I definitely want you to be able to talk to people about what the hell's going on here and where you're headed. So uh, let's start with the, the early stuff. Uh, crowdfunding campaign when I was leaving uh, corporate world, uh, I still own that smoking jacket in Ascot. Um, it was uh, interesting to raise money to do anything in Detroit back at that time. Uh, anybody that said that they were opening something in Detroit in 2011, there were some eyebrows raised. Um, and then we one hatch Detroit, just barely got our doors open in early 2015, and since then it's been trying to figure out how to operate, right? Um, how to make the best beer we can, and and. Uh, food as well that wasn't originally part of the plan and has become a big part of our identity um and then all the trials and tribulations that come along with growing a business with you know no sort of deep pockets it's not like we have a you know uh, a fat wallet to uh, get into to pay things it's all about you know growing the business and tapping into those reserves taking on debt making sure it's healthy debt 
Uh, we bought a building on Grand Boulevard. We still own. We use that building to can beer, do cider projects, other kind of lofty aspirational things. But plans to do a lot of that got derailed when we, you know, had a crappy, you know, equipment deal go awry. Um, you know, we had a, a, another small business walk away with about 100 grand of our money. And that really stymied, uh, you know, our trajectory then, followed by COVID. And, you know, basically here we are now, uh, really fortunate in and around that process to have brought on Kim as a general manager. Not only is she the most level-headed human being that works here, uh, but I'll... <laughs> you don't say. That's a, back, that's a back-headed compliment. <laughs> but um, she is a world-class brewer, and when we had a staff shake-up um, right before COVID, I guess it wasn't right before, it was like a, almost a full year before, she stepped into a role that she didn't think she was ever going to do again, which was to be a full-time brewer, and has, you know made some incredible beer. Uh, on you know a, a modest system in a in a modest facility and stepped away from the role that she had had you know been hired to do to just keep the train on the tracks and here we are almost you know four four years later uh, since she came on and finally post COVID she's in the role that we hired her to do and you know we're looking at all the all the things that we want to do all the things that we want to grow into so that was like the synopsis version so we don't have to get too deep into the to the roots of the weeds. No, but I do have a question about, because you mentioned uh, fundraising, right? And, and things like Indiegogo were a thing then, and now there's all kinds of crowdsourcing and different ways to do it. But what you said about, I'm going to open a business, you said it now, I'm going to open a business in Corktown in 2022, people are like, ah, fuck yeah, that's a great idea. But 10 years ago, I mean, that had to be, you had to look through a lot of cross-eyed eyes, I would think, yeah? Yeah, I mean, you know, Corktown was uh, a really still populated and, and developed uh, neighborhood although certainly not what it is now. Um, but, uh, you know, opening anything, opening a, we were the first new brewery to open, open in Detroit in 15 years, something like that, 18 years. Coincidentally, opened the tap room the same day and the same time as Brew Detroit. Our tap rooms both opened on February 12th, 2015. At 4 p.m., I swear to God. There was media <laughs> driving back and forth around the block. Y'all make it ridiculous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Corktown had some great stuff happening in it. Slows was here. Um, I think Astro had just opened. Yep. Um, there were other projects that were, you know, under development on the way. And then there were the old school businesses, right? Like, um, you know, um, LJ's and... Um, Nemo's and yeah. the places that still can draw lineage back to the old Tiger Stadium days. Um, but other than that, like, there hadn't been anything new that had opened off of Michigan Avenue in who knows how long, right? Le Petit Zinc, I think, was the last place before us <laughs> to open off of Michigan Avenue. And Mudgies before that. And they moved into a place that existed previously, F. McNally's. So, um, I <laughs> this is a fun story. Earlier today... We had a guy come in to clean the hoods in the kitchen. And he walked in and telling me all these stories about what this place used to be because he used to come to and participate in throwing parties that used to happen <laughs> when it was Porter Street Station. When, when it was like the after hours. The after hours spot. Yeah. The after hours spot. And he was like, oh, the champagne room. And I was like, you, you, mean, the, do you mean the train car? He's like, the yeah, the car? champagne room. Man. The tra the Some train shit car. went down in there, man. I saw this guy get shot in the face. <laughs> I was like, Wow, man. He's like, here, take my number. I'm a journeyman plumber. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. <I'll>... <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Porter Street Station. <laughs> so when we talk about uh, back when you opened Batch, 
And we talk about, you know, not only people raising an eyebrow when you open a business in Corktown, it's opening, opening a brewery uh, in the state of Michigan at the time. So they're, at the time that you opened, there are only about, in the state of Michigan, about 125 breweries in the entire state of Michigan. Uh, 2009 or 10, 11 was right around when the craft beer boom in Michigan started happening, and now we have over 400 breweries in the state of Michigan. So within a span of 10 years, we have quadrupled, more than quadrupled, the amount of breweries that are in the state of Michigan. So what? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been pretty close to this number for a little bit now. So you're, you're right, Kim. Um, what, what was it? that you said, you know what, right now is the time to open a brewery. Not only just open a, brewery, uh, open a business in Corktown, but open a brewery in Corktown. Um, I mean, it was, hi, click. Um, Selfie time. So uh, I, I, I think that the fates kind of conspired on my behalf. Um, I had moved to the city a couple years previously, three years previously, I think. And I was just a hobbyist brewer, and I did not aspire to open a brewery that was not on my radar. Um, but when I moved down here, I wasn't able to really homebrew anymore. I mean, I could have, but I really didn't want to start. I didn't want to go back to, like, doing malt extract beers on my countertop. I just <laughs> Mr. Couldn't. Beer Kits? Yeah, I just couldn't, <laughs> you know. Um, after You make that leap as a home brewer to brewing, you know, uh, you're producing 10-gallon batches and kegging everything, and, like, I, you know, do, you're doing all grain, and I just couldn't, you know, go back to doing countertop, you know, uh, malt extract beers. So I was originally trying to create a co-work space for homebrewers just so I had a place to do my hobby and find a building and have, like, four or five rigs, and people get together and brew, and we have, like, a kind of a quiet little pub where we have our beer on t- tap, and your friends can come in, and they drop a couple of dollars in a bucket for the one that the one that they just to support the hobby and there was not a legal way to do that in <laughs> yeah. the slightest so um i was going to open a little kind of speakeasy super quiet like when it's open it's open in a building from a guy uh, that a guy owned kind of became friends with and the um sorry about that jeez we're live turn your phone <laughs> off we're live <laughs> um and uh in the middle of that, uh, I, I started doing the crowdfunding campaign. In the middle of that crowdfunding campaign, the corporate job that I was working was eliminated. So it was a little bit of a shit or get off the pot moment. Sweet. Uh, so that's why I ex- that's why this place exists. By the way, I just found I have three of the original four mason jars still from the original Indiegogo campaign. Is, is the, so is the the silk screen actually it's on. still on the Oh campaign? yeah, it's yeah. on. Rare. That's rare. Yeah, rare it's rare it's on. I, I just. Well, we had, we had to clean out the cabinets because we're getting refaced cabinets. Like, so I was go. like, I, f- I found these. And I was like, oh, like, I still have more, these. More, more glassware I don't know what to do with. Uh, so, I mean, uh, as of now, right? So you, uh, from where you started, your current situation, uh, you, you you built up the, the food menu. You built up the, the brewery. You started, what was the size of the brewery when you originally opened? Well, we're using the same hot side, but we started yeah. with uh, four barrel tanks. Yeah. Um, and then we went from four barrel to thousand liter, which is like about seven, seven and a half. Uh, and now we've got 15 barrel tanks that we either like concentrate brew into. This is actually a, the part where I hand the microphone off to the people that actually make beer now, um, to talk about, you know, the process. But yeah, we've, we're about, about 
more or less tripled kind of what we yeah. can produce per year. But yeah. Yeah, and that happened a couple times, right? It did. Yeah. And now you've hired? Yeah. Chris Coburn um, has been in the industry for a long time, old buddy, and just makes incredible beer, um, is willing to put up with the, you know, the uh, silly projects that we want to do, but is like more of a traditional brewer. He likes to brew beers that taste like beer, which we appreciate because that's what we want to drink. And for all of the, you know, heavily fruited sours and all of the wonky adjunct stouts and all of the outlandish things like the, you know, banana split slushy that we have on right yes, now. Like yeah. at our, I just at saw our that walk pulse, by. We want to drink Zwickle <laughs> beer and Mexican lagers. And, um, uh, but when we do other things like a hazy IPA, IPA, we want it to be well executed. And Chris is doing a great job. There's a time and a place for everything. And everyone's got their, there's time and a place for everything. And everyone's got their tastes, you know, so, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't cut something out just cause it's not really your, your, your thing. So, you know, there's room for everything. And as, as fall comes around, we've got some plans for some, some fudgy stouts and, and some other stuff. So. But, you know, in the end, yeah, we drink Zwickle beer. Heck yeah. Yeah, cheers to it's that. It's so good, too. It's so good. So you've, uh, you've, uh, you've been in the industry for a while on the, in the same position that you're currently in right now as a brewer. So uh, let people know. I want to I hear a little bit about what your, I guess, your craft beer journey has been origin as a brewer. Story. Your origin, origin story. Origin story. Yeah. I was a, <laughs> uh, yeah, origin story. I was not a huge drinker. I was actually, like, a straight-edge kid. And, yeah. like, I, I was a straight-edge kid that drove my drunken high friends around, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, like, let's, cheers, go to, let's go to Coney, you know, and get, make sure you're set. <laughs> but it was just more for, you know, me. And... Oddly enough, there's a lot of brewers with, like, X's tattooed on them, and, and sure. that's really kind of funny. There's <laughs> a lot of punk rock guys in the brewing industry, yeah, oh yeah. girls in the brewing industry. But, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, I like beer. Once I started yeah. drinking beer, and it, uh, it was actually, the Magic Stick had, like, like, <laughs> like La Chimay and, like, what was some of the other, like, you know, the Quebec the Quebec beers, yeah. like the Fin du Monde yeah, and oh stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. So while fin everyone's crushing was, PBRs, oh we're yeah. getting ripped on Fin du Monde and stuff. <laughs> and then, you know, you're, you're, in, uh, you're in Michigan, and it's just easy to get, you know. Oh, here's here's some bells. Here here's this. Yeah. Here we're going we're going to Motor City Brew Works, or uh-huh. you know we're going to my aunt, uh, Chef Mary. She was a home brewer, and we she used to buy shit at the Coonan's Hardware Store. Yeah, not the homebrew store. Right, but the, like hardware the hardware store. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> then one day I was just like, wow, this is expensive. Maybe I can like do it cheaper, which is how I end up with a lot of stupid hobbies. And. Uh, and then I was homebrewing, and I, I bought an extract, or I was forced into an extract kit by the salesperson at the homebrew store, which shall remain unnamed. <laughs> and I did my thing, and I was pissed because I should have been sold what I wanted to buy. Yeah, sure. So I went back and got a little Karen and was just like, yo, <laughs> I wanted to buy what I wanted to buy, and you pretty much told me, no, I should buy this. So I'm bringing it back. And I got my, my extract kit, and it was just one of those things. I was a sous chef, banquet chef. Yeah. I'd work like 4.30 a.m., uh-huh. 1 p.m., 2 p.m., and I'd come home and just double batch. Yeah, hell and yeah. And just like, my, God love my wife, and she just <laughs> lets me do all my crazy shit I need to do. Um, but she just let me do my thing and hyper-focus, and, you know, it was just, just a thing. And then I met uh, somebody from Greenbush who was like yeah. brother from another mother. Like, he's a, a year apart just like a couple days apart born we're the same dude except he's the more balanced version of me 
and uh, he he was I couldn't get in, my foot in anywhere around Detroit. Like it was just you don't have experience, you don't have experience, you don't have experience. And he was at uh, Greenbush, and he was like, "Oh, come out and just you know see see if you like it, even if this yeah. is what you want to do, because you're a sous chef and you have a, a career." And so I, I I dug it, and then I sold all my punk rock shirts that I got <laughs> accumulated in the '90s. They were hot on eBay, so like I'm selling like stinky armpit sweat torn. The good stuff. Thoughts. People love that. Yeah, shit. the good like, stuff. Two hundred fifty, <laughs> three hundred bucks for a shirt. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, buy it. Yes, buy. It. You know, um, all over to Europe. And a that, lot of them go over to Europe. Some of them, yeah. yeah, they're willing to pay. Stupid, oh yeah, uh-huh. but uh, there's a, there's actually a he owns a silkscreen company and like he's an archivist. Yeah, and homie bought like lots of my shirts. Sure, and like I let him pay me in installments for <laughs> chunks because it was kind of I'm just like if you want to do this, man. Um, but I paid for for brewing school and yeah, I got some yeah. experience. And uh, the people at Greenbush were like, "Oh, come an intern." And sooner enough, I was just working. And somebody was like, is yeah. somebody going to pay this dude? Because he's not interning. Like, he's running transfers. And I got offered a job and was that, that was it. I was in the industry. And, like, I would get up at 3.30 in the morning and drive from Ferndale, Michigan to Sawyer, Michigan. Yeah. To get wow. there by, like, 7.30. Yeah. I go to Infusco oh, wow. with my fucking chug coffee, which is right across the street <laughs> from, from there. And... Uh, I just did what I needed to do. Yeah. I, I had somebody that was willing to let me sleep on their couch. And How long did you do that? Uh, about eight months. And yeah. I was talking about selling my house and moving out there. Okay. And I got an offer. The, the head brewer that had been at the Wab for 10 years was leaving. Right. May it rest in peace. And uh, I got an offer to come come in there. And, you know, and that that was it. Everyone's like, you're stupid if you don't take this. Because I was like, no, right. you offered me a job. <laughs> you know, and uh, I Plus did it's that. in Ferndale, too, nice and close. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> literally yeah, right. two miles from where so I So I don't have to move my entire life. I'm not living on a couch anymore. Side of the state. Right. Cool. Yeah, like, I mean, there was part of me that's like West Side of the State, like Michigan, you right. know, like country yeah. town. Uh-huh. Uh, and then COVID hit. Like, that was fine and dandy. We were, we were cranking out beer. I um, was really happy with what we were doing over there. Obviously, everything could be better. But, you know, you just work hard and do what you need to do. And COVID hit. And they decided to go with another direction. And I was kind of floating around in limbo. And I think I was pestering Kim to, like, hey, can I come and brew with you? I've been pestering her since I was a home brewer. Kim, did you brew your alt? Did you brew your alt? And, uh, and... You know, they invited me to come hang out, and uh, and here I am with these guys oh, yeah. in our little land of the misfit toys. That's a good pickup, man. It's a it's a really good pickup because everything that I've tasted that uh, has you you've been a part of has tasted amazing. So I mean, uh, just to add to what they've done here up until this point where you came is is it's a, it's pretty awesome. So I appreciate I, it. I, yeah, yeah I of got, course. You know, I've got a great uh, support system, and I've I got some big shoes to fill, but. You know, just work hard, and as Kim says, do better. I mean, that's a really. I like that. There's a story behind that. There's a story behind that. No, but no, walk in. I like that. It was far more cold about the story. No, I I like that philosophy though. It's kind of like you know, like. Great job, do like better. My, like one of my favorite bands, All. It's like you go for all. You know, no matter what you're doing, you can or do not a little all. bit better. You know? So you know I'm the, sorry, I didn't you know the mean, end of the album. 
not all. No. You can do all. Not all. Not to make it sound harsh, but she's right. Like, you know, you can always do better. Yeah, and for I sure. I plug in and that. say do better. No, she doesn't, but I love that. I, I mean, in so that. many words, maybe. But I love that idea. I can There's just picture a kick in the door down. There's a story behind it, please. I'm sorry. I made it sound bad. This is a great segue. There's a fun story behind it. Now I get to hand the mic over to Kim because I can't shut up. I've to do something like this for years. I love, I love the story behind it, and it's right. Yeah. Like, it sounds harsh, but it's not harsh. So, no. there you go. So, Thanks, great, great segue. Kim's the best. Kim, uh, <laughs> as much as... Uh, this is why I don't do podcasts. <laughs> as much as... I don't, and I don't know if you, uh, you know, take this to, you know, to a very, like... I don't know how to say it. Clearly. You know... I don't know how to say it, so I don't know why you would know how to say it. Uh... You're very well known as far as a brewer goes and in the beer industry, and I think that I remember when Steven told me, he goes, uh, I got Kim to be a part of Batch, and I was like, holy shit, uh, this is going to take it to the next level, even more so than what you've been doing, and that's always been something that I've kept my eye on. Aside from being friends with Steven, like, I've always liked the moves that have been made here just to keep elevating and doing, uh, doing better. As Kim would say, uh, know, every single year. <laughs> no, not that she says. She insists. Every single year. She so, demands so, uh, that you do better. Uh, I mean, Kim, I think the uh, what I would like to oh, hear is, you know, what was your origin story when it comes to beer uh, and how you became to be in this position? Not to put you on the spot or anything, Long you know. It's kind of Long pause. Where do, where do we begin? Right? No, I, origin story. So I had homebrewed for a while. Um, and it was in my family. My brother had homebrewed and something I was very interested in, uh, very young. And my formal education took me down a path of microbiology and biochem. And I did that career for a while. Yes, please. Um, and needed a break. Uh, I was planning to go back to school. Uh, I did research for a while. And uh, I, I, I was at a point where either you go back to school or you stay where you're at. So yeah. I took a break with my husband encouraging me to do that. His name is Carl. Um, we love you, Carl. What's up, Carl? Lovely Carl's man. Awesome. Yeah, Carl. Carl. Carl with the K, by the way. <laughs> Carl. Um, Noted. Carl. <laughs> and uh, I, I had applied at ten different uh, breweries. This is 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. I applied to like ten different breweries, maybe more, and got a call back from three, and was planning to just take a year off. Um, I had accepted uh, two positions, one at Dragmead and one at Big Buck in Auburn Hills. Oh, yeah. So I worked simultaneously at both two days at Big Buck and uh, three days at Dragmead. And it was it was pretty awesome. Like, <laughs> I started my career on two amazing systems, yeah. by the yeah. way. Yeah. And I, it not it went downhill from there. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm here. What the f- no, oh, sorry. No, what happened? No, I, uh, no, just like really well. It was a JV Northwest, and Dragonmeat had put in a, um, an HD system, so it was just uh, three barrel, like you know, and it, we Eric Harms and I could produce um, a Shout lot out to of Eric. beer. What's up, uh, Eric? Yeah, Eric Harms. Yeah, we could produce a lot of beer in a small amount of time, and Jeff Levine was there as well. Um, but uh, so it, it was a separate uh, mesh or a separate mash louder ton, two kettles and a separate whirlpool. So every two hours, like the first beer would take six hours and yeah, every two hours right. we could kick on another beer. So we could produce four, 
four four barrel batches of beer in a day pretty easily. Like I would get in early and Harms would get in a little bit later. And anyway, I was pretty lucky at what I started with. Um, from there, I went into the mission management world, uh, which is uh, Grizzly Peak and North Peak. Yep. And I didn't yep. work at Grizzly Peak, but uh, I started at Bastogne as a head brewer mm. and then um, was transferred up to North Peak from there. And uh, I'd done some things in between, uh, and I had opened, moved to Mexico, opened my own brewery, all kinds of fun stuff. In Mexico? No, I opened my own brewery in Alabama. I know uh, in Mexico. Nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Mexico, I had, uh, my husband and I worked at an orphanage in Chihuahua. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. And then we came back stateside, and yeah, had an acquaintance of an acquaintance that needed help opening a brewery in Alabama and got it all set up. That was like 2012 to 2013, 14. It was Chiha Brewing Company in okay. Anniston, Alabama. And from there, I took a job at River's Edge Brewing Company yeah. um, mm. in Milford. And yep. uh, yeah. And then I went back to Dragamine for a moment, but not brewing, more front of the house management, kind of looking to get out of it a little bit, like the actual production side of it a little bit. Um, not for any particular reason other than wanted to broaden my skills. Sure. And then. Uh, and then Stephen hired me. Yeah, so you came, you came, uh, you came from a long line of all kinds of different areas of your brewing. Uh, I guess your brewing origin story that yeah. uh, you know Zach, Zach has now made me you. refer to it. Um, uh, the funny My thing is about is you, uh, you mentioned Bastone. So we have a new chef over at Brew Detroit. Her name is Chef Tara. And that was actually one of the first breweries that she worked at that kind of turned her oh, on to the no world way. of food and food and beer because uh, she she has mentioned that uh, you know when she was in culinary school they would only talk about wine and spirits and hadn't really got into talking about beer pairings and stuff like that yet so and I think that was like 2002 for her when she was in at least culinary school okay um, I don't know when specifically when she was at Bastogne but uh, she did mention that that was her introduction to starting to think of uh, beer and food together so uh, very cool. Uh, to, Interesting to hear if both. we had cross paths. Yes. I'm not sure. So Maybe I was there it's from, possible. Yeah, it's possible. I know she was a young chef probably right around that time. So yeah. uh, it's definitely possible. Um, but thank you. That's great. Um, great origin stories. And then uh, surprise guest today, Rob yes. from Tenacity. Welcome. Uh, he's going to uh, talk a little bit about, actually, let's talk a little bit about Tenacity first. Oh, you want me to talk about we, working a batch? Before. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about batch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, when did it when did it start? Where, I mean, where did the idea come from? You know, uh, uh, all that stuff. All the, the, the good, gritty details. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm surprised to be here, but this is cool. So, <laughs> I didn't prepare any notes, but that's great. That's all right. The beer is great here. And, um, yeah, we have been open in Detroit meaning Tenacity Craft, uh, for just over a year. Right. And Tenacity Brewing opened in Flint, Michigan uh, almost eight years ago. So we opened in Flint. We're still the only brewery in the city proper. We did that for a few years and thought, wouldn't it be cool to do all the cool things that they're doing in Detroit? And this was about the time that Stephen and y'all opened. And so it was on the radar to, like, play in the big leagues and go to the cool place. So we finally made it. Um, we are in the north end of uh, Detroit. I guess you could call it New Center, uh, yeah. close to Boston Edison. Quaint little uh, neighborhood kind of brewery. We do have a small system there, so we brew. Uh, we have 30 taps there. We brew a handful of beers on site, and then a lot of them come from Flint. 
We have a distilling license, so you can get some uh, whiskey there. And uh, but yeah, we're just a small, a small community thing trying to to get our footing in this city. And uh, you know, the thing I wanted to say, and I'm like, what what the hell could I say at this podcast? Because uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I really don't want it to be about tenacity craft. Although I hope everyone will visit us. But I, I think it is important that the people that have gone before. Uh, I consider Stephen a good friend. The reason I'm here is that, you know, he's sponsoring a great event in the city. And I'm trying to figure out how we can be involved. But, you know, the people that have paved the way that took those steps when it was pretty, uh, pretty weird, uh, it seems a lot easier now. So, you know, I just want to give uh, kudos to uh, you all, everyone that has, uh, has tried to open in a, a tough time. Because uh, not that the last year, couple years hasn't been weird, but uh, but really, like we're just kind of following on footsteps. Detroit is cool. The beer scene here is is great. You know, I just want to be a part of it. So you know, kudos to everyone that's gone before. Really, what do you, what well, do you, well, welcome. You are so you are a part of it. So I mean, that's not. Uh, what do you learn running a brewery? You, you talk about being in the cool place and being in the place where people want to be. I love Flint. I love the character. I love the grit. What do you learn running a brewery in a place that people maybe on the outside say, you know what I mean? Because the overall perception of Flint is not a good one, right? But that doesn't mean there aren't good things happening inside of Flint. So I wonder how you kind of balance that. Well, so that's why Detroit seemed like a good fit. I don't think we're we're going to – we're definitely not going to be anywhere else in the state. Uh, It was Detroit or nothing else for our second location. Um, You can have three locations under the the Michigan Brewing License, but – it's Detroit, and that's it. That'll that'll be it for us. Uh, in Detroit, some people have said that it's 10, 10 times Flint. You know, people in Flint say Detroit is ten times the size, has ten times the problems. It's there are very similar. There's a lot similar, but you know, underrated places. Obviously, tonight uh, Detroit is underrated on a maybe a, a national scale compared to other cities. Uh, Flint, a lot of people don't even know if it wasn't for water. We probably wouldn't even be known. Sure. But, yeah, there's that uh, that underdog thing that we kind of uh, cherish and love. Uh, and it's nice because, quite frankly, people don't expect, you know, they don't expect as much. They're just like, hey, is the water safe? We're like, yeah, we do test our water. Imagine that. But, uh <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's it's a good uh, yeah, it's course. a good place to be from, as they say. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot of parallels between you know where the Flint is the little sister of Detroit for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, you know we have uh, and I'm 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 actually glad that you did show up because I think there's he's actually the, glad the the more that yeah, actually the more uh, breweries that we can at least uh, shed a light on and uh, let people know about in the city, it just makes it more of a destination for people who are looking for new beer uh, who may have not have been exposed or even yeah. known that uh, Tenacity Craft is even here in the city of Detroit. Maybe they only knew that you had the Flint location or maybe they didn't even know that you had either location, right? So, like, that's the point of this this podcast is really not to talk about Brew Detroit but to talk about what's happening with our guests. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I am glad that you showed up because that's you, you are a part of this the beer community here in Detroit. So uh, it's always fun to shed that light on on other breweries as well. So, and that's the whole reason why we started this podcast is to, to do that. Amen. So, um, w- with all of this said, one of the fun things that I like to do and like to talk about as far as people who are in craft beer, like where we know now where all of you got your start as far as the brewing and the business side of things. But I mean, why, why craft beer? Why, why beer? 
why uh, what turned you on to the 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 delicious suds that uh, you know for me it was uh, pouring pitchers of beer in my grandpa's basement for the parents that were upstairs smoking cigarettes and playing cards uh, send the kids downstairs to pour pitchers me being a, a small Seacott kid that I was uh, I definitely sampled the Bud Heavies that came out of that tap before I brought them upstairs so uh, those are things that uh, you know that I look back on and go, oh, that's that makes sense that I wanted to get in beer for so long because um, it was always a part of family functions and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and eventually I ended up getting into more of the the Michigan beer side. What is for you guys? What was that that step that that or that one thing that turned it on? Was like, this is why I want to do this beer thing. My first beer was when I was four. It was a Miller Lite. I brought it outside because my dad was drinking one while he was barbecuing. I just grabbed it out of the fridge, cracked it open, and drank it. He took it away from me. I asked, so he let me have another sip. That was it. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was way more into smoking pot than I was drinking beer because <laughs> uh, all beer tasted the same uh, to me. And then I found a couple other things. They were pretty cool. Pete's Wicked. Uh, Newcastle. Things like that. Yeah, Newcastle. But it wasn't until I had, uh, I had a beer called Modit's. By Unibrew, same you know brewer as <laughs> Findemont Tropistol. That was the one that turned me on. That's when I started homebrewing. That's how I ended up here. Canadian beer. Canadian beer. Yep. Canadian beers like moonshine. <laughs> I, I like making things. Yeah. Like like I, I got my start. I was I was talk, talking earlier at a place called Redknapp's Dairy Bar, which was a place yes. like from the fifties. And like Rochester. every morning, the meat man came with like fresh ground meat over his shoulder. Buns came from the <laughs> from the bakery next door and like there was just an emphasis on like taste so and flavor good. and soon as I got out of the cooking world I was in the coffee world and we were just smelling and tasting everything and I was like we had to do coffee logs and I was such an asshole I was like tastes like campfire and dirt you know then I got a refined palate and I'm like oh it's you know smoky and earthy you know just but that's it like I, I bought a shitty old Vespa and ripped it apart and put it back together and made it work I bought a shitty old Motoguzzi Ripped it apart, put it back together, made it work. I, I, I just like making things, putting things together. I like the way things smell. I used to have a little grow room and, and downstairs, and I like like weed and the way it smells, and you know I like hops and the way they smell. And when you're like, there's just something about when you you know you're like, oh this malt and this, and I'm gonna put this hop here, but if I put this hop here, it's gonna be lower in the mix, and, and it comes together, and you're like, oh like you get all the smells, and then you get the tastes and there's something about that that I just like doing. I, I, I'm, I'm a home coffee roaster, and I like, you know, in the morning, every morning when I pull my shots of espresso, I'm doing sensor, sensory analysis, yeah. you know, and smelling and tasting. And that's kind of part of my ritual starting the day is smelling and tasting. And so, like, I, I don't know. It's a tactile thing for me. It's That's it. I like smelling and tasting <laughs> things and taking things apart and putting them back together. And something about brewing satisfies all sure. that. And beer makes me happy. Did you? Did you happen to ever watch uh, when you were younger how it's made on Discovery Channel? No. Oh man, I, you would have no, fell no, in love No, I have with seen a couple episodes yeah. of that. Yeah. So that's that was one of the things that I fell in love with when I was a kid and I would sit there for hours instead of watching cartoons. Oh shit, when you were a kid? Yeah, well... Yeah, I'm, we're old here. Yeah, like, I'm like Bob Ross. Up. Like, little fluffy cloud painting. I don't, I, I don't know about that. I think I was like 20 when that, that was happening. That show's been out there for a long time. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm trying to make you feel better 
How old am I? I'm 37 years old. Okay, that's not that bad. Okay. See? But yeah. still, you made me feel like no. when I was a kid. I was like, I was watching Bob no, Ross. I, 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 I was definitely the drinking age when that show came out. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. <laughs> I was, but it was my bong rips. Look at what they're making. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that was just one of the things, that, and that was the same way, right? Like, I, I, in a different way, I wanted to know how things were made, right? I didn't, I was, I'm a shit brewer. I can't brew for anything. Uh, I figured that out really quickly, but I, what I did figure out is I wanted to learn how things operated and how things were, were built and stuff like that, so I fell really in love with the business side of brewing. So uh, I love the taste of beer. I always love the taste of beer. Um, clearly, since I just talked about me drinking as a child. Um, but it was more along the lines, I was drawn to the beer industry through business, the business side of how that stuff works. How am I going to make sure that that stuff operates and I want to, I want to do that stuff for That's sure. That's what's fun about the beer industry yeah. is there's like so many little things that can tickle so many different kinds of minds, whether you're a scientist, as, as Kim is. You know, background in science, or you're somebody like Steven who's just really good at talking to people and making shit happen, or somebody like yourself who, you know, likes how things break down and work, and, and that's the great thing about this industry, I think, is there's something for everyone like that. Kim, did you have a moment from your childhood or anything in your adolescence that was like, beer's it, beer's the ticket? I'm going well, I there. Was totally a straight edge kid all through teenage years. I was like, no alcohol. Like, I was in England, in Belgium, in Germany as a 19 year old. And I was like, no, I'm straight edge. It's a cool. And, you know, that was good for me at the time. Um, probably best for me at the time, considering some of the other stupid shit I really shit. got into. And I'm still alive and not in jail. So I really didn't need anything. It's always a plus. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was really in when I was in my twenties, and it was just something else that I could I felt like I could break this down and make you know do. And then also when my aunt was like, I had trouble doing it. You're not going to be able to do it. I was like, <laughs> oh fuck, Chef Mary, like now it's on, and I'm going to do it. Yep. And now I'm a head brewer, and Chef Mary can't say shit. <laughs> I love you, Aunt Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Aunt Mary. Uh, Kim, how about you? Well, I'm 47, and I also drink as a minor. See? Just throwing all that <laughs> it out happens. there. Um, my, yeah, here we here are. And here we are. Here we are. Uh, so my moment was, and I give kudos to my brother, my middle brother, Kevin. He was the homebrew guy. I was living with my bro um, in Ann Arbor, um, and he was the homebrew guy at the Big Ten party store and did all that kind of stuff and he used to buy he used to bring home whatever no i shouldn't incriminate him at all <laughs> anyway he brought me home nothing yeah anywho but if yeah. he was going to bring you it's something like you what would it have been teenager yeah. So, yeah i would ask for certain things and they weren't great and he would still bring them home to me and i would drink them because they were affordable for me um at, but one day he brought me home uh, samuel smith's taddy porter this is like I want to say 90, 91, like 9091. Um, and then uh, Rodenbach Classique. And my mind was blown as terms of what beer could be. Uh, and those were, those were the things that changed me into being interested in, in what beer could be. So before it was just something to do. You know, how cheap could I get it? And <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think we all went yeah. probably through that phase at some point or another. For me, it was college, and I was drinking uh, 40s of Schlitz ice. Yeah. So, I get it. I totally get it. Mine, was, mine was crazy horse. <laughs> Rob. All right. So, I grew up in a 
very uh, religious church that forbade the use of alcohol. So I figure there must be something to that. I've been on a quest to discover it ever since. So let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> That's great. Uh, fair share of bourbon barrel age and a lot of big stouts have come through the, the tap handles at Batch Brewing Company. What, if any, do you have that are cooking right now um, at Batch Brewing Company? Anything barrel age, big stouts? What do you guys got going on where... Those people, since, you know, my first exposure to those things was my first summer beer fest, and that's all I drank. Huge mistake. Uh, this is what's... What the hell's wrong with On you? the top of... Huge mistake, I said. Uh, so that's on the top of my mind right now, as I've been thinking about this for weeks now, of what exactly that experience was like. And, I mean, I love a lot of the things that you've done in barrels. Uh Dick well, Smasher. Uh, oh, Dick Smasher, the legend. Throw, Rest in peace. Throw, throw me under, under the bus right now because I like the low ABV yeah. beers. Uh-huh. And right now, uh, I think our main focus yeah. for the summer is selling time. Yeah. And keeping people in the seats and enjoying oh, yeah. time with their friends and family. And although we have two Biggie on and we have a double on... Um, those aren't the beers that keep people in their seats. Right. Those are the beers that people come and drink one little one of. Sure. And, but that being said, uh, things are th- the summer's winding down, and I have a big ass stout. I think is written in my in my scheduler. Yeah. We have some other big beers that are that are at East Grand in in barrels and waiting to go in barrels. And so this is a little more where I see the beer industry is swinging because that's where I was when I first got in the beer industry. Everything. It had to be six percent or over, yeah, you know, and yeah. then I landed at, at Greenbush, which that was the that was the thing, six percent or over. And sure. I was into it, and and I hung out at Batch. I was Distorter. here opening weekend. Like I think even if I went in my Facebook Messenger, like I totally felt I left a shitty tip, and so I left like an apology. <laughs> like I got drunk, and my tip wasn't the best, but I'm gonna come back, and it was this long-haired hippie-looking dude. But I'm gonna make sure I leave a fatter tip next time. I just felt like I totally like saw the printout and was like, no, nah, you should have left a bigger tip, man. And so I've been here for a minute, and and all, all that stuff's fine and dandy. And I sure. know people love it, yeah. but like. My main focus is, you know, people spending time together and drinking beers together. And although those beers will always have a place here at Batch, you know, um, it's it's not my main focus sure. in beers. Well, yeah. But yeah, there's you know, there's some big stouts. We can get we got some adjunct, you know, splitting part adjunct. Um, I'd like to get some bigger, uh, you know, like the du- the Double is is wonderful. So like some bigger Belgian style beers, and and also like I know uh, I know there's a few people have been asking for, you know, like a big huge IPA, and so like I want to I want I want the people that come here to get what they want, but I feel the whole beer industry. I mean, like a few years ago it was like, like pudding sours, and you know like. And, like, everything had to be adjunct stout. And I even see those are going down, and the places that were only putting those out are starting to put lagers out and more approachable beers. Absolutely. And I I feel people's tastes are changing, especially now that you have, you know, your smooge or your your seltzers are everywhere, and there's some great cider in in the state that I think people's people's tastes are changing. And, and like, there will always be a place for giant beers. Yeah. You know, not what I'm saying. For sure. I want people to hang out and spend some time here, and I think Stephen does too. So there's just, there's room for both, and so yeah. that's not the main main focus anymore, at least for myself. 
you know, like I, I, I think that's the, the same for, I mean, that's the same for us too. You know what I mean? That's, uh, I mean, we have, they have their place, like you just said, they have their place over there as well, where we're, we're doing some, some bourbon barrel age stuff. But at the same time, a lot of the things, like if we look at what's in our nano right now, we're, we're talking about uh, German pills. We're talking about, um, you know, we, the, the NA crowd, right? The, the people who don't want to drink alcohol but still want to come to a brewery, we just did a hop water, you know? So, like, there, there's, uh, we, we did a, we do a seltzer called uh, Little Yum, which is a spinoff on our Yum Town, right? So, it's, uh, there are way more uh, Pilsners, uh, lagers, blonde ales, uh, really light drinking stuff to keep people in their seats. Uh, way more than what we do the bourbon barrel age stuff. So uh, you, you're absolutely right. I, I agree that the rest of the industry is is following the same exact thing. I love seeing the NA stuff around. Yeah. Um, one of our one of our uh, our brew staff, Doug, is making some really great uh, homemade sodas that are like next level. Like I, you know, like I, I grew up on the Jones sodas and the Town Club sodas. Yeah. And he's making some great, great non-alcoholic sodas. Another one of our team members is making some really good kombucha. Yeah. Like really solid kombucha. And so um, we've been we've been da- we've been doing some research and talking about NA beers. But yeah, I, I think I think you're completely right. There's there's all kinds of different consumer bases and I think they're a little more health conscious these days. And those things, I think, are becoming a little more prominent than worrying about having six, 12, 13% beers. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, the thing that I always look back on is my first experience, uh, and I don't remember what year it was that I did the, the Summer Beer Fest, but that was, that was the biggest thing that I saw from everybody. And that's why I had so many bourbon barrel age, big stouts, and big beers is because that's what everybody was doing at those festivals back in the day and you can walk into summer beer fest that's happening this weekend and you'll probably find way more light easy drinking uh, oh no doubt fruited lagers uh light pilsners i watched it happen like yeah i watched the one year like there was one table beer and then within the next the next year there was you know, several beers within three to eight, four point two percent, which there was none other than the, the one table beer the one year. And that's one thing that that uh, Batch has been really great at too is that uh, you've always been on the forefront of, uh, I guess, um, like like trend setting on things, right? So uh, I can remember the first year uh, that Batch did slushies at Summer Beer Fest, and then you saw slushies at every tap room all over the state. And whether or not you, you think that that was like a, something that was started by you guys or not, that was one of the things where people were like, we need a slushy machine. Did you see what those guys just did? They had a line that was wrapped around halfway through the park. I would like to apologize to, to everyone. Slushies. I know. <laughs> I would like to apologize to every brewery out there that feels that they need to have that goddamn machine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to your brewers. I'm sorry to the people that have to make the simple syrup. I'm sorry to the people that schedule their weekends about going to drink, you know, not quite beer ice cream. It's about 3.8% alcohol, guys. I just want you to know. But that banana It's fine. It's delicious. It's fine. I cannot have. Please don't. My fingerprint in this industry can't be that goddamn slushy. Stop it. It's not. Stop it. It's terrible. It's, it's not it's fine. Bad. It's okay. I love them. They're good. They're awesome. Listen, it's, we just started off the show no. talking it's about cool. your bananas. Look, look, it's look. 
it, it it's a lot of love that goes into them. We use yeah. all real fruit. Yeah. We use like we make it from scratch. I did it for two years. Doug is doing it now. It's so much work. So I don't want to make light of what those slushies no, are. They it, are delicious. They, yeah. they really are. Anyway, it, it is a lot. Yes, it is a lot I, of work. I, I, it is a lot of work, and I think that I like I don't drink them. No. <laughs> yes, we all taste them, and other people drink them. Uh, I think that like you know the story, the you know the the story about putting effort into things and what we're trying to accomplish with the brewery is more accurately reflected in the kind of community work that we do than you know you know any one particular beer pursuit. I mean, I love an imperial stout, uh, bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. I usually drink about four to six ounces of one at a time, and then, you know, I don't drink any more of it. Um, but I think the, you know, the amount of effort that this team puts into, in addition to their normal job descriptions, um, but the things that, you know, we're working on in and around Corktown uh, or trying to create a platform for other things to, to you know, have a stage literally and, and, and figuratively, you know, in this place is more accurate uh, reflection of like where I think our effort belongs. We're making great beer. We want to make a big variety of, um, you know, we've trying to keep 20 plus beers on draft all the time. And after that, it's all about creating a place that people want to spend time to drink them and to eat your food. And um, that's, that's really where our focus is. Well, but I mean, let's, let's go back to that because I think that that's really important. The, the, the presence that you guys want to be, that you want to feel in the community. You talk about the beer you make, the food that you offer, all that stuff matters because if you didn't have the beer, if you didn't have the food, the rest of it doesn't exist. But, but what is the drive to be such a big part of the community, whether it's taking in a, a taqueria after it burns down across the city or building this stage right over here to give people an avenue, a venue to, to discuss, to host. I mean, why, you could just make beer, you know. I, I don't want to be a big part of the community. I want to be a big place that the community uses. Those are two very different things. It is not about the ego of this place. Um, it is about having, you know, something. I mean, this place will not be here forever. Whether it's two years from now or 22 years from now or 42 years from now, this place closes. Like, it will have an epitaph. It'll have some sort of story told about it. And what is the purpose? Is it that we made the, you know, uh, we, 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 we left a, foot, uh, a fingerprint of fucking beer slushies on the, on the landscape of And you really set them or, off with or, that or, one, didn't you? Or that we, that we, like, made the most syrupy adjunct stout thing in a bourbon barrel that, you know, that uh, people bought and cellared and then they went bad and then they tried to unload on people for, for crispy lagers. Like, I, I have got shit. a six-year-old <laughs> bourbon barrel-aged whatever. I will trade it for a six-pack of you know, check lager. Like, please, so I'll actually, so just I will trade this for one check lager. So actually, if you take it from me, and I, you can have the ten cents for the recyclable. Like, I just want, I want to make sure that when when the we close the book on this thing, whenever that is, and hopefully it's a very long time from now, that like there there's a legacy that uh, small businesses leaving this small businesses leaving something more for other small businesses and for parts of the community that like. When it when it goes away, that it will be remembered and it'll be mourned. Um, that it, that that it is doing something to make the sum of the parts around it greater. That's it. That's what I want to do. I love beer and I love food and I spend more time cooking food than I do beer. And I spend eighty hours a week on this place right now. It's startup time, but like my best hours are spent trying to figure out how to make 
sure that, you know, we're making an impact in the community, not we're making, you know, the back next big thing in beer because the hype train is not for me. I chased it for a little while. It was a waste of fucking energy. The hype train, I don't want a ticket. I'm not a season ticket holder. I don't give a shit about the hype train. I want to have a sustainable business that my employees like to come to work at and that the community relies on as a resource. And I, I definitely think that's happening, and that's, oh, no doubt. that's clear as far as uh, even in the craft beer community. It's, uh, Batch is always in the discussion, right, uh, re- regardless of... Regardless of what beer you're brewing, it's not um, it's not something that uh, people are people do obviously talk about the beer, but it's not always that's not always the discussion when it when it comes to talking about batch brewing companies. So when we talk about you know uh, being a part of the community and doing something bigger than bigger than the beer, right? Uh, we have you're putting in uh, a lot of new uh, elements to your. Uh, your footprint uh, here on uh, the, the grounds. This entire damn podcast. I keep giving it away. I <laughs> yeah, you gave it to me, up. and Jesus I love it. Jesus Lord. Uh, your footprint is, is expanding a little bit, uh, not a little bit, a lot of it, in the space that you originally obtained and, and purchased and, and started in to where you have a lot of great things that are coming up here pretty soon, and that's I want to talk about those things because I think you know, you look around, and there's at least at least one person at every single table underneath the pavilion right now, um, here on a Tuesday, which is most most. This is, of the t- this is shockingly light for a Tuesday. That's and what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing to um, to watch or participate in or choose to make your business community resource. Like when I think about community resources, I think about things that are available to everyone. Um, and I mean, like a library or a public park or, you know, I mean, a, a community resource. Um, and that's that's what I really that's what we not I we we really want this place to be. This is Kim and I get uh, we and, and Chris, all of us, really, we have some like real deep visceral conversations, not only about the business, but about, you know, our lives and what our aspirations are and what we want, what we want to do and what we want to be when we grow up, because uh for as old as we are, growing up is not the word I would use to describe who we are and what we do for a living. Uh, however, uh, we have um, we have aspirations, and we want we want to um, go to bed exhausted, knowing that we did something with our twenty four hours, not exhausted and dissatisfied with you know what transpired in the previous twenty four hours. And um, it's it is it's. Our, it is our ethos. It is like it is our resting pulse. That is who we are and what we are trying to do all the time. So as far as future state, um, we are in the midst of building a stage uh, out in the pavilion. And that stage is, you know, it's for self-satisfying things, having live, you know, live music. That's going to be great. But we also get to support local arts doing that. Um, we want to have that host community meetings and have our, you know, city council person and and other elected representatives be able to come in and engage the community here. We want to, you know, host nonprofits like we did with Bark Nation to be able to come in and and uh, share the work that they do and have other people having, you know, petitions signed. I had. Um, um, uh, Chuck and Brenda from Life in Michigan come out last week, and their description, their, their takeaway was like, I felt like I was in a European plaza. There's all this activity and nonprofits and people signing things and kids running around and like, little tear, little tear leaked out because as somebody who loves to travel, that's where I want to hang out. 
right? I want to go to a city square where like there's just life and and activity and 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 it's and it's real and it's not just let me pull you into this gravitational center and Disney style and suck all the money out of your wallet and you leave reviews and and we just go on with this transactional thing but like the idea of us being a community resources that's what we aspire to I mean you look around right now where we're at and obviously we're not we're not recording on video for this for this episode but I mean that's exactly what you just described while your back has to what's going on behind you is exactly yeah, and exactly each, that and each table doesn't look like the one next to it if you look at the people that are here and the kinds of people, families, old, young, uh, race, creed, doesn't matter. Like, you, you've done that. I can see it right here. It, it's uh, not by accident. No. Um, and uh, we're really fortunate to have built relationships with other people that help facilitate that, right? Taqueria Array is an incredible partner. You know, they had a, 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 a deeply unfortunate event happen in January when their, their building caught fire. And uh, they're not able to move back into it. So they have been popping up here every Monday and Tuesday for the last almost six months. And I would bet all the money in my pocket that when, you know, two years from now, we're talking about Taqueria El Rey, that they've got a location downriver. They've got a truck in Detroit. They're working on their location in Detroit. And they're working on another project afterwards. And, like, that is awesome. I played a very small role in that. But that small role might have sparked other bigger things and other bigger thinking. And that's what I'm talking about, being a community resource. That's what I want to do. I mean, you kept them alive. You kept them alive. You gave them a space to live when that space went away so that they could sustain themselves and move forward. You can't make tacos and sell them to nobody. Oh, you can, but... Yeah, I do that in my house occasionally. <laughs> Correct. But it's not a good business model. We know that. It also helped us. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, and I say that, and, and thank you for calling it out. It's a symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. I can't put a field on the team seven days a week. Not a kitchen team right now. It is incredibly hard to find staff for this. Uh, so they are running the kitchen. We're selling beer. I would not normally be selling beer on Monday and Tuesday. So it is good for us. It's a symbiotic relationship. This is not all magnanimous, right? This right. is not all benevolence. This is creative community building. And uh, when it's, I mean, the rising tide, all the boats, I'm one of the boats. Right? We're one of the boats, too, but we're also participating in the rising of the tide, too. So I guess we get to play both sides of the equation, and I'm happy to do that. I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the chance to raise your own boat, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I also get to watch these other boats and get to, you know, cheer them on. And, and quite frankly, like, as a longtime customer of Taqueria El Rey, and you saw me house that chicken earlier, I was not bashful. It was finger licking. Oh, dude, are you kidding me? Um, I've been picking at it the entire time. <laughs> chicken. Look, you left some over here, and I've been eating it the entire Good. time. Good. I'm glad you have. But, I mean, that's like that's like a Detroit staple, though, Taqueria El Rey. Like, you, this thing doesn't exist without places like that. And, and to be able to sustain that, it's not for nothing. I, it's it's crazy when people are like, thank you so much for doing yes. this. Yes. Thank you. Like, it's my honor. Are you kidding me? We literally get calls that say, do you have chicken tonight? <laughs> yeah, on a Thursday. Hi, uh, I want to I place a carryout order for some tacos. Like, oh, that's Monday and Tuesday. And then this is like, okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll call you on Monday. You want to know, know something wild? Somebody just came over before I came over. They're at the host booth, and they're like, we're here for the tacos. I was like... We have yeah. tacos, but I know for a fact you're, you're not off. here for those tacos. <laughs> those tacos are across the park right over there. They're like, oh, okay, we're going to go over there. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, it's, it definitely works, and people are coming here specifically for 
the partnership that you guys yeah. have de- developed with Takiri Outright. Um, so I, I guess in fact the, it's so good they think they can get it at your place yeah. too. It's <laughs> everywhere. Uh, parting comments. What are okay? So what are the things you definitely want to promote right now to get people here for uh, to to achieve and fulfill your mission? Um, what are the, what are the things that you want to, to even if it's for the promote? community? Yeah, yeah I I, I want to go back to what Rob brought up earlier, which is the uh, collaboration that uh, six breweries in Detroit are working on. Um, we were approached to sponsor Charavari, and uh, it it was going to be a lot more fun if it was a group of us doing it. Yeah. So that's what we did. Uh, the six independent producing breweries in Detroit. There are other brew pubs. And there are other non-independent breweries in Detroit, but the six of us that are independent, produce, and can distribute are collaboratively sponsoring Charavari, and uh, that is the second biggest electronic music festival in Detroit. It's being held August 11th through 14th, I think it is, at Historic Fort Wayne. Such a great venue, too. Yeah. Oh, I it's mean, a beautiful space. Yeah. And we'll be in the Detroit Brewery Garden, uh, including Brew Detroit. Hey. We'll be there. And Tenacity hey. Crafts. Hey. Uh, as well as... Uh, Easter Market and Brewery Faison and Motor City Brewing Works and that's six. That's that's us. That's, that's it. six. Is that six? Is that yeah. all six? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh-huh. great. That, I'm, I'm glad I didn't forget it. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, did I say Motor City? Yeah. Anyways, yes. it's uh, it's really cool to get us all back together. Like we missed two years of doing beer festivals. I don't know the next time we're doing a beer festival. Probably Detroit. Um, I, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do we'll do the Detroit festival in October. Um, but to like get the colleagues together and to then go sponsor a uh, incredibly important music festival, incredibly grassroots music festival, that's what I want to promote. I want everyone that it gets happens to hear this to want to come out to a music festival that is owned and produced independently locally. Come and drink some beer in a tent full of independent, you know, produced beer, and actually. Uh, leave some financial fingerprints on the city of Detroit. In one of the coolest places in the city, by the way, or outside of in the historic Fort Wayne. Yes. Chris, anything you want people to know about beer? I just, I want community, community. I want people to come and hang out with their friends and family and spend time. And like, that's at the end of my day when I'm beat up and maybe burnt myself and sweat through everything and I'm tired and I peek out and I see groups of people together drinking beer together, like, that makes me happy. Like, that's what makes me happy, and it always has, whether I was making coffee or I was making people their steaks. You should turn around. Like, right yeah, now. No, and I it's great. all the time. Like, it's my right favorite now. thing to do, yeah. and it always has been. I, I have a little spot that I sit, and I just watch everyone enjoying themselves together. And that that's it, you know? And I think that's why I landed in a place where I fit in my my aspirations, and, and you know, it's, 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 it's just, that's it. What you got down there, Kim? Uh, sorry, I just I just reached over to Steven so I didn't interrupt Chris. I just said it's cool as fuck. Uh, you look you look back behind uh, what's going on. You you know, Kim, Robin, and uh, and uh, uh, Zach over here. Zach, yes, <laughs> with a Z. <laughs> sorry, I, the, the the thoughts of like what's happening behind me are like it's it's taking over what I'm what I'm trying yeah. to say right now. But it's it's cool as hell. What's exactly what we've described and what you guys are trying to do is. It is happening, and it's cool as hell to look behind like me you and fucking see did that happen. You know, and it's so it's only going to continue to do that with the the more things that are added. The stage thing, the stage thing that you're 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 going to launch. I can't wait for that shit to happen because it's it's only going to 
increase what's happening behind us on a Tuesday. You know, it's going yeah. up on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. Well, what's really important is your V-Day key levels and your TPO. No, I'm, totally, I'm totally messing with you all. Wait, are we supposed to know what that means? I have no <laughs> No, I, I obviously I care about that shit, but um, no, that's not what I'm here for. Um, no, I'm here because I, I care about what we do here in the community. Um, and I wouldn't have stayed this long unless. Yeah, all the things that have been said on this podcast, the truest <laughs> thing that's been I'm going to cut the like, rest of it yeah, out. If if I didn't care about what we were doing, you're out about us a long goddamn time ago. This shit is crazy. <laughs> the guys, the podcast is only a minute long. Yeah, it was actually pretty pretty straight to the point there. Yeah. No. I am pretty stoked for the future. Yeah, that's good. all I'm gonna say. Rob, what's up with Tenacity? Yeah, where, where are you going? What's what yeah? Just check out uh, Sharvari. <clears throat> Make sure you check out that festival. And I would just say, you know, check out anyone in your local community that is making things at the independent level, things that resonate with you. Support that shit because that is what uh, makes this world go round, builds communities, and that's what we're part of. Amen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so so. Part, parting uh, the podcast will end it here. Thank you guys very much for coming out to the podcast. Uh, this is great. This is incredible. A lot of important things and uh, interesting things happening right now. Cheers to everybody. Always great to be in Fauci yeah, Fieldhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you very much.